0: The most essential truth of the Christian faith is that the God of the entire universe has spoken to us in his word and in his son. Welcome to the Her God Speaks podcast where we take that personally as we open our Bibles and dig deep into the life-giving, anxiety-crushing, identity-shaping truth of the scriptures. Whether you're busy washing dishes, working out, driving home from work, or carving out a rare moment to relax, I pray you'll find this podcast a source of refreshing, hope-filled Bible teaching that makes a difference in your life right now. Because wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you're feeling, God's right there in the middle of it. So let's open our Bibles and find Him. You are listening to the Her God Speaks podcast. I am your host, April Sweers, here with my friend, Brooke Angel, and we are excited to dive into another episode of our God in the Psalm series. Brooke, you're going to love this one. You know why? Why is that? Because back in the first episode, you said that Psalm 34 was your favorite psalm, and today is your day. That is our psalm. All right. I'm glad I'm still awake then. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember a few episodes back. I said we were doing, um, we were batch recording these after eight (laughs) o'clock. We are three in. We're doing good. I think we're doing pretty good. We're hanging in there. I think we're hanging in. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. The, I guess the (laughs) adrenaline is flowing. So coffee is flowing. Yeah. the, The caffeine is flowing. Um, Yeah, so before we dive in, I want to make sure our listeners know about the printable study guide available for this series – If you want to go beyond just listening and really do a deep dive into these psalms, you're going to want to get your hands on this resource. All you have to do is visit HerGodSpeaks.com, click on the Shop tab. It's only $8 and will be delivered to your inbox right away. And There are some costs incurred in doing this podcast, and every purchase helps cover those. So thank you so much for those of you who have supported this ministry by getting one of those. All right, Brooke. Here is our icebreaker question for this week. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. You have a little bit of time to enjoy Target all by yourself. What a dream. What a dream, right? What a dream. And you don't have a list. Like there's nothing you have to come home with. So you this don't, isn't
1: like a routine grocery no. shopping trip. You don't need trip. bread. Okay. You don't
0: need milk. You don't need toothbrushes. Okay. You don't need toilet paper. <laughs> you don't need any of that stuff. So completely frivolous trip. All right. You get your coffee and you have maybe like 30, 45 minutes left. Wow. Which section do you choose to explore? Like what's your, what's your like favorite can't miss part of Target? Okay. I'm definitely
1: a roamer in Target. Are you okay. a roamer?
0: I am kind of a Would roamer. you
1: qualify as a roamer? Yeah, yeah, I definitely am. I like to hit up everything. Okay. Just to look, but. Well, today you can't. I know today I can't. <laughs> and the section that I always go to first is the home section. Okay.
0: Always. Like the Minolia and the yeah. um, and McGee and Co. Yes, and that. Like, that whole, love it. like, yeah, yeah, Even
1: if I don't need anything, I just like to look uh-huh. and see what they have. What's new? It just feels You good. know, their plants, their mm-hmm. fake plants now that are, yes. like, all the rage. You know I'm all yep. about the fake plants. I know you're all about the flake, fake, <laughs> fake, I do Because ha- I don't have a Matthew Angel <laughs> in the my house to take care
0: of the plants, so. You could hire him. You think he would come? Yeah, he would. Yeah, if the price is right. The price is right. <laughs> yep. I could not afford Matthew Angel to take <laughs> care of my plants. I am for sure of that. Love it.
1: <laughs> Love it. Yes, but it's the home section just to browse, yeah. see what's there, see what's new, you know, get some inspiration. Even though Matthew's the one who likes to decorate things mm. and like decide, he's very good at that. He has yeah. a good eye for yeah, it. Your,
0: your decor looks um, great. But I like to look yeah, and see what looks nice. All right, so let me ask you this, follow-up question. Follow-up question. Okay, you can't stop anywhere else, but are you going to do a drive-by?
1: Oh, I will for (laughs) sure do a (laughs) drive-by, and I will drive my cart with my coffee in hand Uh down the chip sile and get a bag of those beloved Dots pretzels. Oh, yes. You know, it's very quick. Drive right by, grab it off the shelf. Just a grab and go. Move on.
0: Yeah, I know you agree with that. I do agree with that. And thank you very much for introducing me to (laughs) these dots pretzels that are quite addictive. They are. If our listeners have not tried them, they're definitely worth a try. Um, A friend texted me, I think it was today, and she found them at Walmart too. Wow. Yeah. Walmart is stepping
1: up their game. Stepping
0: up their game. I do not think we will ever be getting our dots pretzels and going to the Walmart (laughs) home section for the good vibes. But they do have the pretzels. I love that. They do have. That's where you go when you need the toilet paper and the bread and the milk. Um, But yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Okay. So this is it is very hard because I I guess I am a roamer. Yeah, it's hard to like. I am for sure a roamer. Yeah. So, I also am the home section. Yeah, like that's that's definitely where I like. To hang out, and you know, I don't even end up buying a ton. I never there. buy anything. I just, yeah, I just look. Yeah, I really like being there. Yeah, I like just standing there and looking around and smelling the candles and like, <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me feel happy, and it's I know. just a like a happy place. I too would do a drive by. This is my drive by. Okay. All right. So clothing, I. <laughs> Okay, so, like, I have two of my favorite skirts that I'm wearing right now. They're these, like, pleated skirts with elastic waistband. Yes. One is, like, a green checked, and then I have this, like, black and white. I don't know. Both of those were drive-bys. Literally walking by, it was right on the edge. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's cute. Do they have a medium? Grabbed it, (gasps) threw it in my cart. Did not even stop, hardly except to see the size.
1: That's impressive.
0: Yeah, I was really impressed with myself. So I've gotten better at like the clothing drive-bys on my way to, because a lot of times with my kids. I know. So I can't, I mean, I would rather, I don't know go to the dentist, then shop in the clothing section with my children. That's not no. even an exaggeration. <laughs> Honestly, I would too. Yeah. So yeah, I've gotten really good at just the grab and go clothing. That's really funny. Yeah. And usually if it has an elastic waistband or something like that, I can, like I would never, <laughs> if it had a button and a zipper, I could not do that. It's yeah. for sure not going to fit me. Yeah. But you know, got a little a stretch. Yeah. guarantee. Literally have some stretch. Literally, literally have some wiggle room there. <laughs> So that's good. Yeah, that's but good. um yeah, we should hang out in the, the the home goods section sometime. We should we should get our
1: bag of pretzels. Uh-huh. And go sit in one of the chairs that they have in the home goods section. We should.
0: And just just be there, there and just absorb all the good feelings. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when will we ever both at the same time not have our children to be able to do Never, that? Never ever. <laughs> Never ever, when we're old. because <laughs>
0: both of us, like when we have the babysitters, we're like, we gotta work, we gotta get the things done. We can't be sitting in Target. There is
1: no fun, no fun here yeah. when we have no children. We could go at eight o'clock <laughs> at
0: night, but we know that's never gonna happen either because because we're both such homebodies. We're both so sitting in our bed I watching know. shows, yeah, about ready to one go to asleep. sleep. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, maybe some, maybe one day. <laughs> one day. Oh well, let's move from your favorite part of Target to your favorite part of the song. Let's do it. Was not an amazing transition. That Are you like really super proud of me for that? That was, yeah, That was pretty very proud of catchy. That <laughs> <laughs> well, Psalm 34 really is an incredible passage. Uh, we already talked a little bit. Um, I think it was in our very first episode, the introduction about verse eight in the first episode. Cause you said it was one of your favorite verses, yes. one of your favorite metaphors, uh, where it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. And I, I I thought it would be great for us just to kind of talk about how I'd I'd like to specifically know how you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Like, let's get kind of warmed up for the teaching segment by sharing a story of his faithfulness and provision. Yeah, definitely. Well, even a couple episodes back,
1: we talked about God's goodness Mm -hmm. um, and talked about just reminding yourself of his faithfulness and the good things that he does for us. Um, And I think the reason or not the reason, but the time in my life that I really, truly did cling to this passage was in the last three to four years before we had Monroe. um, We had some infertility, you know, struggles and, um, you know, just questions that didn't have answers. And there was really nothing else I could do other than pinpoint God's goodness in my life. You know, um, whenever there was something heartbreaking or a question without an answer or, you know, no solution, the problem that couldn't be fixed or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. there was nothing else I could do other than just realize where are the good things in my life right now? You know, just because this situation is sad and heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that the rest of my life is, you know, um, and somebody, you know, I always like to find mentors or friends who have gone through that Mm -hmm. I think it's just so helpful to see like okay they made it through you Mm -hmm. know they made it through with their faith in God like intact you know like how did they do it and um one of the one of them just told me like don't let this beat you down like Mm -hmm. God is good to you in so many other ways you know and just finding the practicality in that um and so I did I just started looking for okay where has God been good to me and it was through my friends who would, you know, send me a random text that they were praying for me, or who would remember a hard day when I forgot, you know, yeah. that it was a hard day. Um, my family, my job, like just, there's so many good things, you know, even when life is hard. Um, and it's just so helpful. And I think that was the time in my life where I really just clung to this passage
0: um, to just remind me of those things. Yeah. That's good. It really is easy to hyper-focus on the thing that God, yeah. for whatever reason, is choosing to withhold, or he's saying right. wait, or he, maybe he's saying no. Um, but yeah, that was really good advice to like look beyond, look at the beauty invading yeah. the hurt and the and pain. And I think
1: that's more than just like when you're going through something difficult, like day to day. Day to day. You know? Like, yeah. what is might be a hard day with my toddler, you know, mm. but like, what are some good things? Right. Might be a hard day at work, but what are some good things? You know, um, that's not just for the hard times in life. That's yeah. just for surviving the day to day, you for know, sure. like we can taste God's goodness like every day. Yeah. Hard and, times, and, not hard times. And and praying for
0: eyes to see. What yeah. God is giving yeah. us those little glimpses of absolutely of in the, absolutely. In the hard places. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So good. Um, yeah for me you know I kind of debated like do I keep it light Mm -hmm. (laughs) but life's just not light right now yeah I've talked a little bit I've shared a little bit um in some of the teaching segments about where we are but we have a a seven-year-old that is just got a lot of behavioral challenges they're rooted in neurological issues so um a lot of things he can't he can't help and so we're working through meds and all all the things different parenting strategies but it's it's hard and it's really hard when we're out in public and Mm -hmm. you know I've got my child in the middle of the store you know telling me to go to hell because it's literally the only bad word he knows Mm -hmm. and he's he's so angry and out of control and dysregulated and all the things and and Of course, everyone's looking at me and thinking exactly what I would think of them if they were in that situation, like this mom is out of, she's, you know, got no control. She must not discipline her child, yada, yada, whatever. And, um, you know, I'm at the point now where we're, you know, a few years into this. And that's happened so many times. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the Lord's goodness in the midst of it, I think one of the biggest things he's done is, Use lanin to reveal, like, I had no idea how much of my worth and my significance, uh, my value, not just as a mother, but as a Christian, mm. I had rooted in how my children act. Wow, yeah. How they behave and how they turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest child is like, I mean... By the book you know <laughs> yes, you yes. put in, you do the discipline things mm-hmm. you you get and it in, works you get out what you put. yeah it works it's just all the things work mm-hmm. you know um child number two like I mean throw the books out the window there is not a book there's not there's not, not there's, there's not, not a book yeah um so I just the Lord and just the process the last few years really just highlighting that yeah and I can't like if I'm going to root my worth and significance and value and how my child acts day by day, I am going to be the most miserable person on the planet yeah, because absolutely. I, I, I'm not in control of that. He's not even in control. Right, of that. Like, right. Um, so it's just, but it's been a beautiful journey toward freedom yeah. from that and really having to, um, I have to remind myself so many times my worth, my value, my significance is in Christ yeah. it is not in this child. It's not how he turns out. It's mm-hmm. not in how he behaves, and um, it's just been a beautiful thing. Like so hard, yeah. I still have days where I end the day in a pool of tears mm-hmm. because I feel like a complete failure and all the things. But um, that kind of gospel reflex is getting a lot stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm able to like recognize, okay. That's because <laughs> trying right, right. To like um, but it's just been a beautiful like God is so kind. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why Lan is the way he is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not certainly gonna say, well, he's that way because I had a lot of work that needed to be done in my heart. <laughs> but the kindness of the Lord yeah. to use those really hard things mm-hmm. to allow us to um to work through, I mean, really flat out just idolatry. Yeah. Of like, and what a terrible thing to put on my children. Right. Like the way you turn out, yeah. Determines the way I feel right, about myself. Right. Um, not even I wasn't even aware of it at all. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's been just a beautiful like taste and see that the Lord is good. Like he's been so good yeah. to um just kind of dismantle mm-hmm. some of some of that that idolatry for me. So that's really good. I love that. Yeah. So man, I wish we were just all sitting at a table together. All our listeners, we could just go around the circle and share, um, how we've tasted and seen God's goodness in our lives. I have a feeling we could fill a lot of hours with a lot of beautiful Mm -hmm. stories. I think we would need a lot of boxes of tissues. Probably. So,
1: (laughs) We both did make it through that. We made it through and I wasn't
0: sure. It's been a little bit of a day. So, and it's late. I don't know about you, but I can cry a lot easier. The closer it gets to the ten o'clock, closer it gets to ten o'clock. I always tell my husband because he's very—he's a verbal processor. So, like, we'll be going to bed. It's like nine o'clock, and he wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. It and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna cry. Yeah,
1: let's, do like, let's do it in the morning. I won't cry. Do you want tears <laughs> in this conversation or no? So. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So, anyway, um, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm ready to mine this song for more treasures. I can see why it's your favorite. Yeah, it is, and I'm ready. To hear what you have to say. All right, let's go. Today, we're going to be walking through Psalm 34. Now The message paraphrases verse two this way. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. I have a hunch that there are more than just a few of you listening right now who could say, things aren't really going well. If I'm being honest, I could say that. It's been a hard season. What I love about Psalm 34 is that it's a song for all seasons, but one that will resonate especially well in the hard ones when things aren't going all that well. The heading of the psalm connects it with a terrifying event in David's life. A real low point. You can read all about it in 1 Samuel 21. I'll give you a brief summary here. Saul had been trying to catch and kill David. In desperation, he foolishly seeks refuge from Saul in Philistine territory, wearing Goliath's sword, no less. As you would imagine, that does not go well. And he ends up having to pretend to be insane so that Achish, the king of Gath, would let him go. Talk about things not going well. With this very bleak backdrop in view, here's the main idea of Psalm 34. God never fails those who fear him. Now, if you want to be really specific, God never fails, period. But the ones who get to really experience his perfect faithfulness, who get to see it in full view, are those who fear him. We'll talk about what that means in just a little bit. Now, just like we've done in all of these episodes, we're going to come to this passage with the best question we can ever come to any passage in the Bible with. What does this reveal to us about God? And the answer to that question is what forms our outline. All right. So if you're taking notes, number one, the first thing we see about God in Psalm 34 is that he is worthy of continual praise. I'm going to read verses one through three. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now pay close attention to the words at all times and always. Your translation might say continually. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean we can't ever talk about anything else. What this means is that our words ought to flow from a heart steeped in praise, a heart that delights in God. Having marinated in the truths of who God is and what he does, the whole of our lives ought to take on the flavor of worship. Just like those chicken breasts I threw into a bag with a bottle of Italian dressing this morning. Sorry, I have a thing for food metaphors, you guys. Well, once again, we have a very clear call to practice, the discipline of praise, to forget not his benefits. Do you remember that from a few weeks ago when we studied Psalm 103? Is anybody still doing the spiral notebook thing? Well, I think the first two words of the Psalm are the key to making this a reality in our lives. I will. I will. This is an expression of resolve, determination, determination, Regardless of what happens, whether it's a good day or a terrible day, whether I'm full of energy or completely exhausted, whether my house is tidy or looks like a train wreck, whether my children are happy and compliant or whether they push every single button, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Well, verse 2 tells us who benefits the most from praise. It's the humble. It's people who live in trust and dependence on the Lord. And this brings to light a really important truth. In order to appreciate how big God is, we've got to first understand how little we are. On well, verse 3, the psalmist issues the most incredible invitation. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Together is such a powerful word. Just about every morning at my house from 5.30 to 6.30, I get to be alone with the Lord. Just me and my coffee and my Bible and my praise music. Gloriously and wondrously alone. But as much as I love being alone with the Lord all by myself, it falls way short of what happens on Sunday morning and my voice joins with all the other voices in exalting his most glorious name together. Nothing compares to that. Now, I'm an introvert through and through. So the togetherness aspect of the Christian life does not come naturally for me. But boy, is it necessary And if I didn't believe that before, I had several long months of doing church in my PJs on the living room couch to prove that together really does matter. Now, if you're still on your couch every Sunday for no other reason than it's easier that way, girl, it is time to go back. You need it. I need it. We all need to partake in the blessing of the body gathered together. There is so much power, soul-satisfying, burden-lifting power in gathered praise. When you're homework, I ask you to think about the biblical concept of magnifying the Lord. I want you to listen to John Piper's insight on this. I think this is so good, and I'm quoting here. There are two kinds of magnifying, microscope magnifying and telescope magnifying. The one makes a small thing look bigger than it is. The other makes a big thing begin to look as big as it really is. When David says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving, he does not mean I will make a small God look bigger than he is. He means I will make a big God begin to look as big as he really is. We are not called to be microscopes. We are called to be telescopes. Christians are not called to be conmen who magnify their product out of all proportion to reality when they know the competitor's product is far superior. There is nothing and nobody superior to God. And so the calling of those who love God is to make his greatness begin to look as great as it really is. That's why we exist, why we were saved, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The whole duty of the Christian can be summed up in this. Feel, think, and act in a way that will make God look as great as he really is. Be a telescope for the world of the infinite starry wealth of the glory of God. End quote. Oh my goodness. I just love that so much. If you have the study guide, you can find that whole excerpt in the conclusion. If not, I'll link the article in the show notes so you can get to it that way. All right. So God is worthy of continual praise. That's number one. Number two, the second thing we learn about God in Psalm 34 is that God protects his kids. We see this in verses four through seven. Now verses four through seven alternate between the one and the many. So they go back and forth between the first person singular and the third person plural. So it appears as though it was written to be sung responsively. So the leader would sing verse four. The congregation would sing verse five. The leader would sing verse six. The congregation would respond with verse seven. Now, if y'all were here in the room with me, we would give it a try. Since you aren't, I'm going to do my best to read both parts. All right. So the leader would say this, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. The congregation responds, Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. Leader again, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The congregation, the angel of the Lord, encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Well, in these verses, the psalmist highlights six things the Lord does. And every single one of these things could be its own episode, but I'm going to point them out really fast. Number one, he answers. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Really straightforward, but also really profound. Number two, he delivers and delivered me from all my fears. Now that word fears there is a really strong word. It means horror, terror, dreaded fear. We're talking worst case scenario here. That's what the psalmist has in mind, and that is what God has delivered him from. Number three, God transforms. That's what's highlighted in this phrase. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. This should make us think of Moses, whose face literally glowed after he spent time in the presence of God. The people were so terrified of this glow that he had to cover his face with a veil. Paul picks up on this theme in 2 Corinthians 3 and relates it to the process of a believer growing in the likeness of Christ. Verse 18 says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Well, fourthly, we see that God hears. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. Number five, he saves. Saved him out of all his troubles. Number six, he rescues. Verse seven says, the angel of the Lord, which is most often a reference to the Lord himself, stands guard over his people. Now this made me think of an amazing story tucked away in 2 Kings. The king of Aram gets really mad because his raids against Israel are being ruined by Elisha the prophet. And every time he made a plan, Elisha, who was getting insider information from the Lord, would spoil it by telling the king of Israel. So the king of Aram decides he needs to get Elisha out of the way. So I'm going to start reading in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. So the king said, go and see where he is so I can send men to capture him. When he was told, Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. And so he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we to do? And Elisha said, don't be afraid. For those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. This is where I see Elisha's servant, like, looking behind him and thinking, "Um, I don't know what you see, but I don't see nobody else. Verse 17 says this. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Well, that's so good, you guys. May God give us faith to believe that those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The Lord encamps around those who fear him. Now, as we're thinking about God's protection, I want to skip down to verses 19 and 20. It says this, One who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. This is such a powerful metaphor for what God's protection looks like. Now, my protection of my child from something dangerous like traffic means that I make sure he never goes anywhere near the road. My desire is complete and total removal from any chance of harm. That isn't how divine protection looks in a fallen world. This side of eternity, figuratively speaking, there's traffic everywhere. We can't escape it. Because of that, We get hit. We get injured. We suffer the pain of countless flesh wounds. But God's protection means that even when the Mack truck is barreling towards you at 75 miles an hour, and by Mack truck, I mean that cancer diagnosis, the unexpected death of a loved one, a failed marriage, the death of a dream, a financial hardship, all the things that threaten our destruction will not figuratively speaking, break a single bone. They may cut, they may bruise, they may wound, but they have no power to destroy. God's protection is not exception from troubles. It's enablement and endurance and encouragement in the midst of them. Luke 21, 16 through 19 is really helpful here. Jesus is warning his disciples of the hardship and persecution to come, and he says this, You will be delivered up, even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Do you hear the paradox there? Some of you they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. It's the same paradox we see in 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul writes, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. It's the same thing here in Psalm 34. You will face crushing adversities, but not a single bone will be broken. Now, what do we make of that? Well, we want God's protection to be a pampering protection. Hello, can't you just keep us from all harm in the first place? We're trying to live the American dream over here. But God's protection is perfecting protection. We can trust that everything he allows is ultimately for our good and his glory. The third thing we learn about God in this psalm is that he provides. Look at verse 8. It's, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Now, in day four, question number four of the study guide, I asked, God is not food, nor can he be visibly seen. How can a person taste and see that the Lord is good? Well, this is yet another place where parallelism really helps us out. So in verse eight, we have a couplet in which the second line helps explain the first. We taste and see that the Lord is good by taking refuge in him. So tasting is trusting. Seeing is seeking. Now, I love, 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 love the Food Network. It brings me great joy to watch other people cook, especially if it's the Barefoot Contessa. Let me some Ina Garten, you guys. I want to go to her house in the Hamptons and have her make me some lemon chicken and a delicious dessert with chocolate ganache on top. That would be my ultimate dream come true. (laughs) But you know what's even better than watching people cook? Eating. Eating is better than watching people cook. Getting the recipe, making the dish, getting to actually sit down and feast. Getting to experience it for myself. Assuming, of course, I have the time and there are zero children interrupting me and somebody else does the dishes. Well, it's one thing to know that God is good or to watch him be good to others. It's an entirely different thing to personally experience that goodness on the battlefield of real life. When you come to the end of yourself and realize how desperate you are for what he alone can provide and does provide. This really comes into view with the imagery of the hungry lions, Why lions? Why are lions mentioned here? Well, of all the animals that God has made, lions are among the strongest, most self-sufficient. Life's not too bad at the top of the food chain, you guys. But even lions lack and suffer hunger. Even at the top, strength and self-sufficiency are not enough. But guess what? God is always enough, more than enough, And here we have the amazing promise that those who trust and seek him, those who taste and see, will have no lack. They shall not be in want of any good thing. Now, Derek Kidner, in his excellent commentary on this psalm, offers a very good reminder that this is not an empty promise of affluence, but an assurance of God's responsible care. And I was thinking about how this truth about God's provision holds up quite nicely here in America, among middle to upper middle class women living in a world that is by and large set up to accommodate us. The beautiful thing is that it also holds up in the slums of India and in the bush of Africa and even the brothels of Cambodia. One thing we can know for sure is that God is at work providing for his people everywhere. And at all times, how blessed are the ones who take refuge in him. But the fourth thing we learn about God in this psalm is that the pathway on which we experience his protection and provision is the fear of the Lord. On verse 11, the psalm shifts for a bit from praise to instruction. It says this, Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life, loving a long life, to enjoy what is good? Well, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, that phrase, fear of the Lord, is a prominent theme in this psalm. It's actually mentioned four different times. Here's my definition of the fear of the Lord. It's a biblically informed reverence for and awe of God that is expressed in love, trust, and obedience. Let me break that apart a little bit. Let's start with the phrase biblically informed. This means that the fear of the Lord is rooted in the truth that God has revealed about himself in his word, not the whittled down version of him that sometimes exists in our minds. Moving on, we have the phrase reverence for and awe of. So for the believer, this fear is not being scared of God's judgment. It's being wowed by his majesty, love and grace. So wowed that it changes who you are and how you live, which leads to the last part of the definition that is expressed in love, trust and obedience. There is an undeniable link between the fear of the Lord and obedience to his word. If we don't seek to walk in radical dependence on and obedience to God's word, we don't fear God. End of story. It doesn't matter how high our hands are lifted when we sing on Sunday morning or how many days in a row we've read our Bibles. People who fear the Lord obey him, which is exactly the focus of verses 12 through 13, which involve our words and actions and motives, all the things. Verse 15 says, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Verse 17 says, the righteous cry and the Lord hears them. In this context, the righteous is another way to describe those who fear the Lord. They're the ones who get to experience the abundance that David's been describing. They're the ones who pull up a chair at the table and feast on all that God is and does. Well, as we move along in the psalm, we come to something about God that honestly isn't my favorite, but it's so important for us to understand. Here it is. God allows suffering. Listen to verses 17 through 19. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversities. Well, you won't find that last line on any coffee mugs or wall plaques, right? Not exactly the most encouraging verse you'll ever read. Well, I'm sure you've heard the phrase health and wealth gospel or prosperity gospel. That refers to the belief that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for his people. It's the belief that we can and should live our best life right now. You might be surprised to hear me say that the prosperity gospel is not completely wrong. The timing is wrong. God's ultimate desire for us is wealth and physical well-being and happiness. Revelation 21 and 22 describe the new heaven and the new earth in terms that are beyond our wildest imaginations concerning health and prosperity and joy and all the things that we long for. But all things made new— It's a promise for the future. We as believers will live our best life later. When it comes to life right now, this side of eternity, what we find throughout scripture is not the promise of ease and comfort and material blessing, but rather a very thorough, well-developed theology of suffering that culminates in a Savior who endures one of the cruelest, most painful deaths imaginable to secure redemption for those he loves. And so the New Testament is replete with verses like Romans 5, 3 through 5. We exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Or James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Or how about 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14? Do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. It's really interesting that 1 Peter, which was written to encourage the early church in the face of persecution, contains multiple references to Psalm 34. It's, obvious that Peter loved this psalm, that he had marinated in it and no doubt memorized it. And his desire was to pass on to his readers who were suffering the truth that God is indeed faithful in the midst of great affliction, that he never fails those who fear him. Where is God when things get really hard? When our hearts are broken, when our spirits are crushed, Isn't that the question that haunts us in our pain? Where is God in this? Where is God? Well, the answer is right there in verse 18. One word that makes all the difference in the world. Near. He is near. Hear this, friend. Every trial he allows is a trial he inhabits and in his nearness in the midst of suffering is why we have this final truth number six god delivers and defends and we've seen this throughout the entire psalm but it comes into full view in verses 17 and 19 the righteous cry out and the lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles the one who is righteous has many adversities but the Lord rescues him from them all. Now, it doesn't always come when and how we want it, but deliverance always comes, and with it, a renewed joy. God does not leave his children indefinitely in the depths of sorrow. In his time, as he sees fit, he restores all that has been broken. And in that process, we gain something that is absolutely priceless, something that cannot be learned in a Bible study, something that cannot be generated through spiritual disciplines alone. We gain a testimony. This poor girl cried, and the Lord heard her and saved her out of all her troubles. Well, moving into the last couple verses of the psalm, I want you to see a repeated word in verses 21 and 22. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. Now, that word punished is strongly associated with guilt and condemnation. It's making someone bear his or her own penalty. For what they've done. According to the psalm, that is a burden, a heavy, unbearable burden that those who fear the Lord will never have to carry. And this is where Psalm 34 points us so clearly to Jesus and his ultimate fulfillment of these amazing promises. Romans 8 1 boldly declares that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Later on in that same chapter we read, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, here's something you can know for sure. Your pain is not a punishment. Jesus took all the punishment. He drank the cup of the Father's wrath down to the very last drop. Your pain and my pain is a tool that our all-wise Heavenly Father is providentially using to accomplish His good work in our lives, conforming us more and more into the image of His Son. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are those who take refuge in Him. Well, that's it for today, friends. Have I told you how much I love doing this with you? Well, I do. This series in particular has been so rich and really encouraging to me personally. I hope you feel that as well. And if you do, let me know by leaving a review or connecting with me on Instagram at HerGodSpeaks. I love to hear from you guys. Wind in my sails. Well, until next week, may our God, who is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit, Be big in your life this week.